Praise God. Well, good to see all of you guys here again. My name's Josh. If you're with us for the first time, I'm the preaching pastor here. Thankful that you're here. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90 is where we're going to be this morning, and we're very thankful that you are here joining us. So we're going to read God's Word together because, you know, some things are new, like the environment and the building and the stuff. Some things are not new. We're going to preach the Bible. Amen? We're going to preach the Bible and trust Jesus to do great stuff. Psalm 90, and we'll read all 17 verses together. So go ahead and start with me in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and you say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight is like yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and it withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed, for you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all the days that of ours pass away under your wrath, and we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or if reasoned by strength, 80. Yet the span of them is toil and trouble, and they are gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and the wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this unbelievable privilege to be in your presence this morning, to worship you, to celebrate what you have done. God, we come to your word now and we ask that you would speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God in Psalm 90, through Moses, your servant. God, may you transform and change the hearts and minds and the thinking processes of every Christian in this room that we might walk out of here different than how we came in. And God, may you save the person who is far from you, doesn't know Jesus, is not surrendered to Jesus. Lord, may you bring them to a moment in time where they believe in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. God, we ask all these things for the sake of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 
May you, Jesus, receive all the glory for the work you're going to do inside of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in our Songs of Summer uh, sermon series. And so uh, we've been doing this series now for the last two summers. We are in Psalm 90 this morning. Some of you have read Psalm 90. Some of you are very familiar with Psalm 90. Some of you have no idea what is in Psalm 90 at all. Okay? Psalm 90 is the first psalm. It's the oldest psalm. It's the first psalm written, and it's, even though it's number 90, all right, in the, in the book, it's actually the first one written, and it was written by Moses. Most of you have heard of Moses, all right? Moses wrote Psalm 90, and no doubt about it, Moses' life was filled with many great, amazing victories, and also some pretty crushing defeats as well. If you think about Moses' life in the book of Exodus, you see the first 40 years of his life are pretty stable. He is uh, living in Pharaoh's house, getting good education, good food, all right, living the Egyptian dream. Can I get an amen? That's what he did. And then he had 40 years of solitude, 40 years in a wilderness watching over his father-in-law's sheep. Does that sound like anybody, anybody's idea of a good time? He's in the wilderness for 40 years watching sheep. And then the last 40 years of his life, he had to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, which was a huge step of faith for him. And he led them out, crossed the Red Sea, into the, right, right on the edge of the promised land. And then what happened? He couldn't go in the promised land. So then he basically led the people of God on a death march around in circles, around a wilderness, because the people did not believe that they could take the land by faith. You may remember that story from Sunday school. Twelve spies went to spy out the land. Ten were bad and two were what? Good, right? So out of the twelve spies, ten said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do this. We can't do it. And then you had Joshua and Caleb saying, we can do it, let's go. The people listened to the 10 and they said, you know what, we can't, we can't, we actually can't do that. And so for 39 plus years, Moses finds himself leading a group of people in the wilderness, watching an entire generation die because they didn't believe in the promises of God. And that's probably, this last phase of his life was probably where Moses wrote Psalm 90. So God, Psalm 90 is all about God's eternality and man's frailty. Moses watched an entire generation die off. Can you imagine how many funerals Moses did? Can I get a funeral? Wah, wah. I mean, can you imagine hundreds and hundreds of funerals probably every week? And this guy's just seen death all over the place. An entire generation die off and he has to watch them while leading them absolutely nowhere. So that's the context of Psalm 90 is God's eternality and men's frailty. He was seeing men's frailty up front. Psalm 90 is also about victory in God, getting victory in God as he strengthens us as we make our short pilgrimage through this life. Can I get a short pilgrimage? Amen. Life is very short. It happens very fast. Psalm 90 speaks to the reality that life is very short, that believers in Jesus, our, if you know Christ as your Savior, our journey is from earth to heaven. Amen? 
That's our journey, but it's very short and it's very hard. So in order to give a weather vernacular, because in Iowa, we need weather illustrations. Our pilgrimage in this life is a hot, humid, sunburnt, filled with drought and dying grass experience. It's full of trouble and it's full of death. And that's why Moses says in verse 12, teach us to number our days. If we only get 70 or 80 years on this earth, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Another way to say this is that if you only get 70 or 80 years on this earth, maximize the years you have for God. Amen? So the question is, well, then what do I need to know? Like, what do I need to know then about how to maximize my years for God? What do I need to know about God? What do I need to know about me? And what do I need to know about grace? If I'm going to maximize my short little life, what do I need to know about God? What do I need to know about me? And what do I need to know about grace? And if I could make a building application, since we're in this new building, I would move it to the plural. What do we as a church need to know about God and about ourselves and about his grace so that we will use this building for the glory of Jesus? We just raised all this money to buy this building debt-free. The last thing we want to do is get in here and waste our days. Amen? We want to redeem these days. We need to think well about this. So we need to ask God, God, what about us as a church? What do we need to know about you? And what do we need to know about us? And what do we need to know about grace? That will help us not waste this opportunity. So the crux of my message this morning is this. It is God, me, and grace. So if you're going to remember anything that I say, and statistics say that you will forget 95% of what I'm going to say to you in this message. But if you remember 5% of what I'm going to say, remember God, remember me, and remember grace. So Moses is going to give us three unchanging truths in Psalm 90 about God himself, me, and grace that should maximize our lives. So unchanging truth number one is God. First unchanging truth in this text is God, and God is greater than me. I'll say it again. God is greater than me. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. Okay, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever formed, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, saying, return, O man. For a thousand years in your sight is like yesterday. And 70 or 80 years is like a watch in the night. So Moses leads off in verse 1 with the word Lord. That word is Elohim. And it means God of power, mighty, great, powerful God. From everlasting to everlasting, this is Moses showing us that God never had a beginning and he will never have an end. God, unlike us, is eternal in nature. So Moses is telling us that God is holy, he is amazing, he is transcendent, and he is greater than you and I. 
Some of you are kind of proud. You need to hear that this morning. Listen to this. God had been faithful to Moses. Right? And he's saying, God, you've been faithful. You've been, you've been eternal. From eternity to eternity, you're God. God had been faithful to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then who's after Jacob? All of you guys know, right, class? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Levi. And then all of you know after Levi is the very famous Kohath. You know him, of course. And then after him is Amram, which you all had on the tip of your tongues. It was Amram. And then after that is Moses. Six generations have passed since God showed up in Genesis 12 to Abraham saying, I'm going to bless you. Through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Six generations later, there's Moses. And poor Moses is doing 800 funerals a week, watching death after death after death and frailty of man. And look at all the stuff that we're getting punished for because we didn't walk by faith. And in the midst of that, God God is eternal, and Moses says, God, even though we've messed up, and though I'm doing 800 funerals a day, I'm looking back, and I'm saying, you've been faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you're going to be faithful to us. You're eternal. You're bigger than us. God exists outside of time. Verse 3, you return man to dust, and you say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight is but yesterday. God exists outside of time. Which means God's, God wins. God will outlast you and me. Can I get a witness? Do you feel that in your age this morning? Do you feel that God's going to win? I don't care how you're trying to outwit God. Nobody outwits God or fools God and figures out a way to outlast God. I don't care how much stuff Tom Brady does to his body so he can go win another Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Tom will not be able to outjuke God. I don't care what vitamins you're taking. Can I get a vitamin amen? I don't care what vitamins y'all are taking that you think this is going to do it for me. This is going to help me be the healthiest, best me I can be. I don't care how many workouts you're doing a week. I don't care about any of that. You will not outlast God. Because a thousand years in God's eyes pass by like a few hours. 70 or 80 years of our lifespans are just a few seconds in God's economy and his eternality. So if you're going to maximize your 70 or 80 years, you got to start by understanding that you are not greater than God. You have to begin with that premise. You have to begin to say, you know what? I've got a limit on my years. So therefore, because of that, I'm going to understand in my heart, God, you are greater than me. And I'm going to give up that praise to you today. And as a habit of my life, I'm going to freely acknowledge that you're greater, God. What about the building. What about this building? You know God is greater than this building. Amen? The worst thing we could do is come and worship Jesus this morning in this building and all of a sudden start bowing down to the poles and the bricks and the mortar and start worshiping it. Amen? May God always allow Living Waters Fellowship to be a place where we see the building for what it is. It's not eternal. This place will crumble at the end of days. But right now, what is it? It is a tool, it is a platform so that we can share Jesus with every single person that we possibly can. Amen? 
So therefore, God is greater than you and me. He's greater than this building. And that is the unchanging truth, number one. God is greater than you and me. Unchanging truth, number two, is this. It's me. My days fly by. My days fly by. Look at verse five. You sweep them away. You sweep mankind away as with a flood. They're like a dream. They're like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. Mankind is likened to grass in this text, which is temporary, easily burned, easily ruined. Can I get a ruined grass? Amen. So think of all the dry, burnt-up grass that you have seen baking in the summer heat. And think about the tears that you have cried. Where you have said, no, God, I've worked so hard on my grass. I did all the seeding. I did all the fertilizing. I did all the stuff. And now I'm just walking it, watching it get brown and burnt and baked, and I really don't want the water bill. Can I get an amen? I don't want the water bill. Because you just see it's so fragile. It's so fragile. The grass is so fragile. Spiritually, when you look at your yard, you should think, that's me. I'm like grass. My life is like grass. In the morning, it looks really beautiful and flush and green and it's growing. But as the summer sun bakes it to nothingness, that will be my life sooner than later. I will experience that withering. Consider what the psalmist said in Psalm 39 verses 4 and 5. He said, O Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days as a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. And this reminds us of James 4, 14, that we are but vapors. Here today, gone tomorrow. Verse 7 through 12, Moses continues, We are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. Verse 9, For all our days pass by under your wrath. And you bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or 80. But their span is but toil and trouble. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath? So in these verses, Moses is probably referring to the nation's experience at Kadesh Barnea. In Numbers 13 and 14. Where the people refused to take the promised land by faith. And the the, the result of that was 40 years of punishment And they died in the wilderness. So this generation in Numbers 13 and 14 could not shake their doubt of God. And God gave them a very disappointing end to their lives. Sighing in exhaustion in the wilderness. Now, as we look at that example, and though it may be a little bit different than us, it's not exactly the same, but this is how we will end our lives. Every one of us in here, if God allows us to live, and let's say we get to live really long, right? Can't we hope for that? 70, 80 years. If you get to live really long, at the end you will sigh. You will give a sigh in the end and give up your spirit. And you will wonder at the end, how did this happen all so fast? Can I get an amen? 
the great country prophet Kenny Chesney comes to mind. <laughs> and his song, Don't Blink, right? Many of you know that song. As a pastor, I've been in multiple hospice care rooms and hospital rooms with people who are breathing their last breath. And I can tell you as a pastor, those are scenes that you don't forget. Those are moments that you don't forget because when you're, when you're holding on to someone's hand in your congregation and you're weeping with a family and you're listening to the last breaths of an individual, it is, it is a very spiritual moment. But as we sit in those hospital rooms and those hospice rooms and you listen to people sigh, just kind of the last, it's a reminder. That's how every single one of us in this room will end. At some point, it'll end that way. And, and that ending is according to God's wrath. And you might be saying, God's wrath? I mean, why is Moses talking about the wrath of God and the end of my life? I don't like those two things going in the same category. Well, the wrath of God in verses 7 through 12 is all about God's judicial punishment for sin. It ends every human life. The curse of sin guarantees that we will all die. And the result of our sin is the just punishment of God. So therefore, Moses says, so then teach us to number our days. The great theologian uh, Warren Wearsby, who actually just passed away a few years ago, he said this, all of us have to live a day at a time because we don't know how many more days we have left. Can I get an amen for that? We don't know. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So therefore, a successful life is composed of successful days honoring the Lord. Praise God. So if we're going to maximize the days God gives us on this earth, we have to see not only that God is greater than me, but that my days are flying by, that I, my life is short. I don't have time to waste my days on things that don't matter for eternity. So many of us are tempted to waste our lives on screens. Can I get a screen? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Right? We're tempted to waste our lives on things that don't matter, like pursuing all the stuff that, that the world tells us we should have, and we don't understand. Look, days are short. They're flying by. We are going to be in this state where we are ready to step into eternity. Let's live today for God. Amen? Also, regarding this building, this building, just like our lives, will fly by. The days of this building are going to fly. If you think things are going to slow down here at church, I, I hate to tell you that they're not, but they're not. <laughs> like, like things will just keep going and moving and things happen so quickly and by God's grace, we'll see a lot of great things happen, but this building, the time is going to fly by and we're going to see God do so many amazing things by bringing Jesus to people, right? But we need to understand that this is not going to last forever. This is a very quick season. So, unchanging truth number two is about me. My days fly by. And unchanging truth number three is grace. I need God's grace to rain down on me. Verses 13 through 17. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us, in verse 14, in the morning. 
Verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us. 16, let your work be shown to your servants. 17, let the favor of God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. So Moses starts in verse 13 by saying, return, O Lord. And and, uh, the word Lord there is Jehovah, God of covenant promises. God will not break his promises. God will keep his promises. And and, uh, Moses is saying, look, that same promise you gave to Abraham, I know we've kind of messed it up by not going into the promised land, but don't forsake us, God. Please turn back to us and shower us down with your blessings. Moses finishes Psalm 90 with this magnificent prayer, verses 13 through 17. Now, just as a pastoral note, if you're looking for a prayer to pray in your devotional time, Might I humbly suggest Psalm 90, verses 13 through 17? If you're like, I don't know what to pray anymore, Josh. I'm struggling in my prayer life. I have no idea what to say. I get get up to God and into his presence. I have no words. I got words for you. Psalm 90, 13 through 17. You pray this prayer, you will be very, very blessed. If we only have 70 or 80 years on this earth, let's pray with Moses. And Moses is saying, have pity on us, satisfy us, make us glad, let your works be shown, let the favor of God be upon us. Moses is asking for God to bring divine blessings down on his people like the rain. And so this is really good because what do we need in life? We need the divine blessings of Almighty God close to our hearts and to our souls right? You need that more than you need a car. Amen. You need that more than you need a house. You need that more than you need all these other blessings that you think are essential. What you need more than it all is the presence of God and the power of God and the promises of God right here inside your heart through Jesus. And no doubt Moses needed it. He was in the wilderness. He needed this grace. He needed it to rain down spiritually I mean, think about it. He was in the wilderness walking in circles. He needed some moisture. Can I get an amen? He needed that. So he said, God, let the favor of you be upon us. And the word favor there is grace or beauty. Let the beauty of God, let the grace of God, let it fall down on us like the rain. So I want you to think about the blessings of verses 13 through 17 falling down on people like the rain. Now, this, uh, this theme is not rare in Scripture. How many of you have ever read Hosea 6? All right, Hosea 6, verse 3, it says this, And God will come down on us like the rain. Have you ever read that before? And Jesus Christ is that rain. That's who we need the most. So I want you to be thinking through this. We need the blessing of God according to Moses, to fall on us like the rain. So think of your yard. Think about how burnt it is right now, okay? Think of that. How happy were you this morning when you heard the rain? How happy were you when you heard the thunderstorm and the lightning? I know I had kids up at 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. this morning because of the rain. But you think about your yard, and the first thing I thought of was like, yes, Lord, bring that rain. Bring it on that brown stuff in my front. Bring it down. Because like, as we are going through this, we know that we need the rain. We need the rain to come down and change our brown to green, 
to refresh the yard that we are trying to take care of. And so it is, if your soul is dry this morning, if your soul is distant from God, what you need is the rain of God's blessings on your soul through Jesus. Y'all need that this morning, and so do I. And Jesus is the picture of that. Grace and truth come through him, John 1.17. And in John 1.14, it says this. It says, we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't half full of grace? Amen? Aren't you glad his grace cup is not half empty? His cup is full. Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. And if you ask for Jesus to come into your dry and barren soul, he will come and he will come with rain, just like Moses is praying. So if we're going to maximize the days God gives us, 70 years, 80 years, we need to ask God for the rain of his blessings to come down and on our souls and on our hearts through Jesus. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Jesus, you know what he said to this massive crowd in John 7? In John 7, Jesus said this. He said, he stood up and cried out. And he says, if anybody thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus said to everybody, if your soul is barren and dry and you're in a wilderness, come to me and drink. Praise God. So Jesus died and he rose again in order to satisfy the souls of individuals like you and me who are struggling in sin. And in the midst of that, I think 12 years ago, there was a young preacher who preached from that John 7 passage about a block down the road from here. And if you want to know about where we got our church name, it is John 7, 37 and 38. Amen? Because if you believe in Jesus, he will rain his blessings down on your dry soul and he'll save you and he'll satisfy you. So for some of you this morning, you're a believer and you're dry. And you need Jesus to come. And you need to ask Jesus this morning, Jesus, rain down your grace and your favor in my life right now. And for some of you, you're doing great. You're a believer who's doing great, and you just say, Lord, give me more. Come on, give me more. And for some of you, you're a non-Christian. You're like, I have never known a drink before, so please give me some salvation. You can cry out to that. And may this building, as we close this sermon, may this building be a place where the grace of God rains down. Amen? May this building be a place where people all over all different kinds of neighborhoods come and say, you know what, my life sucks, it's bad, my, my life is dry, I don't know what's going on with me, but my life is not what it should be. And all I know, I don't know much about God, but I know every single time I come to that church, that Living Waters Church, something rains down on me and I think it's the love of God. May God make Living Waters that place. Because more than just having a church building, the love of God needs to be here. May we be a refreshment to every tribe, 
tongue, and nation. Every neighborhood, may they feel the love of God when they come in here. And that's unchanging truth number three is grace. I need God's grace to rain down on me. So if you and I are going to maximize our brief time on this earth, 70 or 80 years, we need some unchanging truths. God, me, and grace. God is greater than me. Amen. My days fly by, and I need God's grace to rain down. Let's pray as Brandon and the team come up. Father, thank you for this message from Psalm 90. Thank you for Moses. God, what a great, great word for our church this morning. Lord, we need you. This, this life is fleeting. It's going fast. God, help every person in here to see you as greater than them. God, help us to see that our days are flying by, that they're going by faster than we've ever known them to go before. And Lord, then we will pass into eternity and stand before you. So God, let your grace rain down on this place. On every Christian, may it rain rain down. Lord, may you encourage the souls of believers to come to Jesus this morning and drink of his grace, his death, his burial, his resurrection. May they be refreshed. And God, we pray that you would minister to those who don't know you yet. Lord, may they see for the first time their need for salvation in Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing. Keep doing a work as we respond to you now in song. Holy Spirit, may you have freedom to have people express to you where they're at. And God, may you move us all towards Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.